0: The less I've worked, I've made more because I'm working strategically. It's not about working more hours. It's getting more out of the hours that you work.
1: Welcome to Smashing the Plateau, the podcast for corporate refugees who want to do more of what they love and get paid what they're worth. I'm David Schreiner khan your guide and community builder. Smashing the Plateau is more than just a podcast. We're a community of like-minded consultants who are committed to supporting one another on our business journey. Before we start, I'd like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. Struggling with achieving your business goals and navigating through challenges can be overwhelming, but here's a solution. Visit smashingtheplateau.com goals to book your free 30-minute goal coaching session with me. This one-on-one session offers a unique opportunity for you to gain clarity on your business aspirations, identify roadblocks hindering your progress, and outline practical steps toward achieving your goals. It's personalized, focused, and designed to equip you with the insights to drive your business forward. It's a limited-time offer, so seize the moment. That's smashingtheplateau.com goals. In today's episode, we are excited to host branding strategist and founder of Greatest Story Creative, Annie Franceschi. Annie takes us through her journey from a corporate career to becoming a successful entrepreneur, emphasizing the importance of specificity in business, the power of systems and repeatable processes, and the essence of finding the right support. Stay tuned as Annie shares insights on how to build a profitable and sustainable business without the constant hustling paradigm. Now let's welcome Annie Franceschi. Annie is a former Disney storyteller turned branding expert. In 2013, she quit a dream job telling stories at Disney to start her practice, Greatest Story Creative. Since then, Annie has advised hundreds, spoken for thousands, been featured in Forbes, and become known for helping entrepreneurs confidently tell their stories. She's written two best selling books Establish Yourself and Permission to Try, and her first children's book, Small Biz for Kids, arrives in October 2023. She calls Durham, North Carolina home with her husband, Gus, and toddler, Leo. Annie, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks so much for having me, David.
1: It's so exciting to have you on. So I've got to start off with this question. Why did you quit your dream job?
0: Why did I quit my dream job at Disney, no less?
1: At Disney, no less.
0: Yes. The short version is I quit my dream job when I realized that it was just a job and not a life. I wanted the dream life. And when I finally got what I thought was my dream job, I kind of looked around and went, this isn't really what I thought it was going to be. And it's not the life I want to live. So what now?
1: So what was it about the job that wasn't the kind of life you wanted?
0: So, you know, the context for me was that I was working in corporate America. I was working in the film industry in Los Angeles, and that is very much an apprentice sort of world. So I, you know, graduated, went out to LA, bright eyed and bushy tailed and was like, let me at them. I'm going to write screenplays. And they were like, how about expense reports? So they, you know, hired me to be the second assistant to the president of production at Lionsgate. And I kind of worked my way up from there, very devil wears Prada. And I navigated the corporate ladder and toxic managers and all of these things to finally get to what I would call a dream job. So that was um, writing and designing story presentations for films like Maleficent and Cinderella. Um, Some of the live action films that have come out many, many years ago were my babies years before that to put together presentations that would tell those stories for our major executives. So our executives would take these presentations to Comic-Con and D23. And what happened to me is I spent so many years early on in my career trying to chase this dream of telling stories at my favorite company on the planet, Disney. And once I finally worked my way up to that, navigated the corporate politics of it, I took a look around and went, wait, I don't want my boss's job and I don't want her boss's job. And I see them being pulled between their family and their work and having not much of a work-life balance. And I also realized that the work I was doing while really cool and sexy and fun was not into my mind, changing lives. Like I was basically helping better communicate about our upcoming films. And like, that is really cool and fun, but it wasn't making a difference. And the thing that really turned the tide for me was after I got married and sort of this climbing the corporate ladder, getting the job, I started thinking about the rest of my life and I decided to start a little side hustle. So when I was still at Disney, I started basically branding people's stories. I said, hey, I can do graphic design and writing for your wedding or for your event. And I was playing with this idea of greatest story, something. So I just sort of put it out there that I could do that. And suddenly clients started to find me and ask me, could I tell their story like in their wedding ceremony programs? And I started doing a little bit of that. And that gave me enough of a taste of, you know what? This is what I wanted to do. I said, this was my dream job, but I have a hunch that I could actually have a dream life, but it's going to take quitting the dream job to do it. And that's what I did about a decade ago. It was um, September of 2013.
1: Wow. Well, congratulations on having the guts to do that. How many years were you working before you quit?
0: So and all in, all in about five years.
1: Okay. So still, it's a lot of years to put in to realize that, oh, What I really thought I was wishing for isn't what I really want to do.
0: Right. And I think I was definitely sold the story that I think many of us have heard, which is the one path. You know, I do this, then I do this, and then I'll be happy career nirvana. And what I started to realize and learn in my journey through the film industry and since now that I've become an entrepreneur for a decade is that there isn't one path. There's many paths. And what I like to say is the one path is BS. It's total BS. There are so many, if you really look around at the people who are successful, they have reinvented themselves so many times. It's unbelievable. You know, one of my favorite stories around that is there's this kid who had never gone to college. He was, none of no one in the family's gone to college. He didn't think there would be a path for him. He was kind of getting into trouble. And this football coach pulls him aside in high school is like, you're coming to practice. You're going to join the football team. He actually turns out to be pretty good. And he's really good on defense and he gets so good that he gets recruited to the University of Miami and he plays and he does, has a great career there. And his dream becomes football is like his way out. And it's like his dream, his, his vision. And he goes into the draft and he's picked last, like picked last in the draft. He ends up on the Canadian football league and gets on a team and he gets cut after two months with only seven bucks in his pocket. And this dude is like, his story could end there, but it didn't because the guy I'm talking about is Dwayne, the rock Johnson. Wow. Like his whole arc, his whole first story, his whole path that he was going to go down was to be this professional football player. And, you know, he became a wrestler, he became an actor, he became a producer. He's now worth like $800 million and he calls his production company seven bucks productions because of that seven bucks. And he likes to say, I don't know if you've heard the story, he always refers to that career as the best thing that never happened to me.
1: Yeah, it's so true. When I think about all the people that I've interviewed on Smashing the Plateau, there are so many different career pivots that people have taken. And the unexpected ones that they have managed to somehow climb out of a hole or figure out how to make the pivot work. Those are the people that have become the most resilient and most successful and the happiest in the long run.
0: It's super true. And and that's one of the maxims that I kind of live by is, you know, not only is there not just one path, but it's, you have to give yourself permission to try and to keep trying. And, you know, when you said, how did you, Figure this out, or what made you quit a dream job at Disney? I've actually put a lot of those answers into my first book, which that book is called Permission to Try 11 Things You Need to Hear When You're Scared to Change Your Life. And it's a pep talk to anybody who's in this moment of maybe you have something good. It's not even something you hate, but you suspect that there might be more but it's nerve wracking to give it up in favor of that. So what the path not taken, right? And the the permission that we all need to give ourselves to reinvent ourselves and to pivot as we need to, because that, you know, this is cyclical. Even for me, it's something that I've had to revisit 10 years out of the corporate industry, working for myself. It's a process that we have to give ourselves permission to try.
1: It's very hard to do. And, you know, as you said, our culture works against us in trying to do this. and I know when I made my transition from employee to entrepreneur, there were so many people that were close to me, friends, family, who thought I was nuts. And so I heard a lot of negative advice. And here I am 17 years later, still doing it and way happier.
0: I feel that. I feel that. And one of the one of the stories that I found to be true and the advice that I try to give myself is like, the advice, what people tell you is really the advice that they're giving themselves and better put, um, Austin Cleon, who's an artist. He's said that all advice is autobiographical. So kind of the truth of that, that like when, when your friends and family tell you not to do something, what they're really saying is that they're afraid to do it. Like if they discourage you, they wouldn't do it. They want to protect you. They're, they're worried themselves that they couldn't do it. And that it took a while for me to kind of realize that, I couldn't look for their validation. You know, I had a situation where I had a dear friend who really, I wanted to go full-time with my business and he was very discouraging and was like, how could you do that, et cetera. And I felt very like, you know, discouraged, right? And then nine months later, my business is booming and he's like, wanted to be a partner in it. He wanted to invest in it. And so, you know, that's how the flip can come out. But recognizing like, where people's advice comes from is from an intention to protect you. It doesn't always come from the wisdom of what could or would happen. And sometimes you have to, it was my experience that I had to show my friends and family what was possible. Like I always had like a good cheerleading squad, but in general, some people like, you know, have that thing. You have to kind of show up and show them what can be done. Sometimes show the potential when they can't see it because they're afraid themselves.
1: Yeah. So when you look back over the last 10 years of entrepreneurship, what are some of the things that stand out to you that didn't work so well?
0: That haven't worked well about entrepreneurship, like as a path? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I've learned, I continually learn. I feel like that's one of the gifts of entrepreneurship and also the challenges of it. I'm sure you've seen the graphics that are like, I'm doing amazing. And the line goes up, I'm doing the worst. I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, it's very much a roller coaster. And that's been my experience of a, of a decade. But I feel like you get better and better and better if you continue to learn. And so for me, some of the the kind of stumbles that I've had were at the very beginning, I had too broad a business. So my business was greatest story creative all the way, but I was branding weddings and events and your resume and your business. It was like branding for every aspect of your life. And I can help you when you get married and have a baby and start a business. It was just like, what I ended up realizing was I was running, instead of wanting, running one great business, I was running four, uh, none of them particularly well.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Right. So when I refined and I sort of Really niche down a couple years into business to say, you know, what I do great, what I'm greatest at is the business branding, helping you tell your story in your business. So I sunsetted those other services to really focus on that. And my revenue tripled. And my time that it took to make that money went down significantly. And that was like, I used to be very uh, resistant to the idea of an idle client and niching. I was like, oh no, I'm multi-passionate. I like all these things. But man, it's really nice to run a well-run business that doesn't run your life and doesn't make you work all the time. And that that's kind of like the biggest aha uh-huh I've learned. I have some other things that I continue to learn about packaging your process and being more clear with your message versus creative. But I think that that's the biggest one for me is not trying to be all things to all people and really design a business that aligns the model of your business really aligns to who you are, how much you want to work, how much bandwidth you have for marketing and like really what you want it to be.
1: Yeah, that is so true. And I've seen so many people, especially early on in their business. And in particular, if they come out of a corporate career, they are way too broad. And one of the things that I've seen is when you're an employee, particularly a high achiever, in a demanding profession, you get paid well to solve complex, non-repeatable problems. And then when you're an entrepreneur, the inverse is true, that you will be more profitable if you are solving something that for you is very repeatable and for you is as easy as possible. The only thing is that it's gotta be providing value for an ideal client, but as long as you're providing value, if it's easy for you to keep doing this over and over again, the more boring it is for you, the more profitable it's likely to be.
0: 100% true. And I think I really underestimated how powerful it is to have systems in your business and to have these repeatable processes. That helps you get better results for clients. It helps you get better at what you deliver for them. It sounds boring. And I used to think, a lot of the reason people invested with me was because they wanted something custom. It's like, no, they wanted the quality. And, and re- making that pivot and providing a very professional experience. Like I know you work with consultants. I work with them as well. There are very few people I work with that I would say like have a stellar client experience and proven processes. And every time I work with someone like that, I feel tremendous relief and I'm more than happy to pay a premium. And I think when you start to realize that those are the benefits of niching, they're the benefits of having a well-run business that isn't trying to be all things to all people. Man, like you can run with that kind of success because it's sustainable.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the kinds of people that you hung out with as you, like we talked a little bit about this, when you made the transition from Disney to your own business, some of the people around you and I, you know, shared what, what happened with me are not necessarily the biggest supporters for what we're trying to do as entrepreneurs. Can you talk a little bit about like where you have found good support, who you've hung out with, where you've done some of your best learnings and your best growth, et cetera?
0: Yeah. I think that's a a great question. And I was hoping you weren't going to ask me like, so tell me more about the negative things people said, because my experience was, it was actually pretty rare that I got a lot of pushback. And I, a couple of things I want to say about that. One thing that I think is really important that people, that was very surprising for me was I had this assumption that when I told people at Disney that I was going to be quitting with nothing lined up, that they would think I was crazy. And what happened was actually when I spoke to people at like VP, SVP level, all the way down to assistants, people I was friends with, every single one of them had either one of two reactions. Oh my God, I am so happy for you. I am so jealous. That was the other one. And that was the biggest surprise because there were people who'd worked there for decades who felt like, literally said to me, I'm so glad you're doing this and stepping out on your own and doing your own thing. I wish I had the courage, the money, the ability to take a risk like that. And so that was so encouraging. So that's the first form of support really came from telling people what my dream was. And then the other forms of support that have been really meaningful for me have been my dad, of course, who's always, always believed in me, but didn't quite get it about like what I was trying to do. and was kind of nervous for me making money, that kind of thing. I always say that like my husband was always the, my husband, Gus, we've been married for 11 years and he just, was always all in and knew I could do it. And when I was, I had to make a deal with myself to say, I'm going to give it a year at full time to really see what I can do. And if after a year, I'm not profitable, I'm going to get a real job. He was like, no problem. You don't even have to do that. And he believed in me and like that unshakable confidence literally carries over to like the lunch we had today. So getting yourself a partner that like really thinks you can do anything has been huge for me. And then the third piece of pillar of support I wish I'd had earlier, which is communities of like-minded entrepreneurs. So I think I was always kind of finding myself in entrepreneurial communities, but they were a little bit too like bro marketing, old school, didn't understand online business, didn't have enough women, frankly, um, in some of these spaces, though I'm very grateful to the people I met several years, actually the past few years, I've met more women in this space who not only grow profitable businesses, but don't do it at the expense of their minds, their health, their reality. And, you know, kind of like you said, you were talking about how having this easier business model, like make it easy. You know, it should be boring for you so that you can enjoy your life. That's a message that I've only gotten in the past few years, which was very well-timed with the pandemic. And I had my child three and a half years ago and getting to hear that you can have a six-figure business that doesn't require you to work 60 hours a week. That was revolutionary for me. So finding the voices of people who have the success that you want, but on the terms that you want it as well. And I think sometimes we chase the success without seeing what the lifestyle really is and realizing it that's unsustainable for us. So I think finding the champions, the coaches, the communities of people in your space that are living and running businesses that you really admire and would also like to have.
1: Yeah. I think there is a lot of talk in our culture about the quote-unquote hustle mentality that to be successful, you have to be on all the time and you have to be working all the time. And it is so not true.
0: I think it could be the inverse because what I've kind of found is that the less I've worked, I've made more because I'm working strategically. So that's been the difference maker. It's not about working more hours. It's getting more out of the hours that you work.
1: Yeah, that is well said. I want to actually touch on something else about the money cuz you you mentioned people saying to you i wish i had the money and i know that for me i resisted trying entrepreneurship for many years because having a steady paycheck is very alluring it's you know as, as an entrepreneur having consistent recurring revenues like the holy grail and right when you have a job you have consistent recurring revenue the downside is it's not likely to grow significantly the way it can as an entrepreneur but i i would love to hear your perspective on how you may have dealt with the i wish i had the money you know that kind of sentiment
0: so the set, the around the fear of the risk of ta- becoming an entrepreneur and what that can yes. mean in terms of, yes. yeah. So in my my personal story is one of, I had some support, right? So in my situation, it I've been able to grow my business from two $20 bills I threw in a business account and never ever had to put anything else into it. It's always been profitable. But that has been possible because throughout that time I started the business, technically when I was still had a full-time job, when we, we quit our jobs and moved, Home to North Carolina to reinvent ourselves ten years ago. My husband got a job. It wasn't like a super well paying job, but it was enough to kind of pay our bills. And that his permission and my really my permission to myself to give it a year gave me enough time to see results and to start getting money so that it was self sustaining. So I recognize that that's a privilege and not everyone can do that. And but what I try to try to teach people with business is a big picture play. You can lose your mind chasing quick wins. It takes time. It takes months and years to make consistent recurring revenue. I, I'm thinking you would agree with that. And I think that the online marketing industry has really done us done us a um, a disservice with all these ads and people making, you know, seven and eight figure empires out of, yeah, you can make a million dollars with a million followers and with no money put in and you can do it all yourself. And what are you waiting for? Just take my webinar. Like that's the modern day gold rush and it's not true. So all that to say, like, Entrepreneurship is a risk. It takes time, and so any bridge, any sort of resources, savings, boats you can build for yourself—whether that's a partner, a family member, a Kickstarter, a savings account, whatever it is that can get you at least that six-month to twelve-month window to realistically grow a business. Don't put the kind of intense pressure on yourself to do it like overnight, because it just—it doesn't exist. And I, I see people who've been at business for years who are still they're wasting time chasing the quick win. And it really just does take time to be clear and consistent.
1: Yes. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Yes. Well said. Let's talk a little bit about the nuts and bolts of what you do now. Like who's your ideal client? What do you do for them? What problem do you solve?
0: Absolutely. So I've been running Greatest Story Creative for 10 years, and my focus is really coaches and consultants. So I help coaches and consultants brand, streamline, and grow their greatest businesses, not the businesses that everyone's telling them they should have. So what that looks like is done for you branding. I do what I call a brand story solution. I write your clear marketing message, create your consistent visual brand, and I build a compelling website that sort of pulls all those things together. And I also let people borrow me as a business partner through for the day. So I call that a magic strategy day. And I put all my business wisdom into my second book called Establish Yourself, which is really a roadmap. If you're a coach or consultant, you want to grow your business, but you don't want or don't feel like it makes sense for you to do that on social media. That social media is too stressful. It's a tactic tornado. What else can you do? Well, you can grow a business using my Establish Yourself framework. And that is all about really tapping into the warm relationships you already have and stressing less about social media and working more on scaling the relationships in your life.
1: Very smart. Annie, if somebody wants to learn more about anything that we've talked about, access any resources you have or get in touch with you, where would be the best place for them to go?
0: They can either go to anniefranceschi.com. If you're afraid to spell Franceschi, you can also go to greateststorycreative.com.
1: I love that. Annie, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau. My guest has been the branding strategist and the founder of Greatest Story Creative, Annie Franceschi. Thank you, Annie, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Remember, being an entrepreneur doesn't mean going in alone. Our community is here to support you, inspire you, and walk with you on your journey. Don't forget to visit smashingtheplateau.com/slash goals and book your free 30-minute goal coaching session with me, David schreiner Khan. It's an opportunity to gain clarity, identify obstacles, and create a solid action plan toward achieving your business aspirations. That's smashingtheplateau.com goals. Join us next time for more wisdom from industry leaders. Until then, keep striving, keep believing, and keep smashing.